Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, call 920-435-2973 or visit pl-259.com. And by ICOM. Heard it? Worked it? Logged it. Visit www.icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information about ICOM radios. It's Ham Radio. Hey, good evening, everyone. It's time for another episode of Ham Talk Live. It's episode number 144, the Be Loud Contest Station, recorded live on Thursday, December 13th, 2018. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight, we're joined by Steve Narducci, W9SN, and Fred Denon, WW4LL, and we'll take your calls live in just a few minutes. Last week, Keith Baker, KB1SF, was here to talk about AMSAT through the years. And if you missed that show, you can listen anytime. All you have to do is go to hamtalklive.com or your favorite podcast app, or YouTube, and uh, you can play that. Um, Reminder about the shirts uh, that are on sale right now, the Ham Talk Live limited edition shirt. Uh, It's May the Grid Square Be Yours. Um, If you ordered one of those, I I should be caught up with all of those. Uh, So those should be arriving. Um, If you just ordered one uh, in the last few days, Uh, but, uh, most of those have already arrived. Uh, but I do have a few extras left. Now the size large is sold out, but, uh, do have a few small, medium, uh, XL and two XL still available. So if you want one of those, just go to our link and, um, we've got that on Facebook and Twitter. It's the first uh, link there on those, or you can go to hamtalklive.com and click on the show schedule link. And there's a link at the top there to order your shirt. And at the end, it will tell you how to PayPal the cost for that. But we will be giving away two of those tonight, hopefully. Um, Tanner Jones, W9TWJ, uh, donated one to give away. So uh, thanks to Tanner for doing that. And also the ICQ podcast crew. Um, So we'll try to give those away again tonight. 
Um, so get your questions ready to go, and you call in, and, and we're just going to take the first callers on the shirt. So um, all you have to do is call the phone number, so let me give that to you so you have it ready. It's 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. Um, and we're going to take the first um, two callers tonight for the shirts. So uh, have that phone number ready. Don't call it just yet because uh, we're going to talk to uh, to Steve and Fred here a little bit first so you get to know what they're uh, talking about. But um, it's 812-638-4261. Um, if you'd rather tweet us, you can do that. We're at HamTalkLive on Twitter. And if you're on Spreaker, um, you can get into the chat there and we'll watch that as well. But uh, I'll be back with Steve and Fred right after this word from ICOM America, right here on Ham Talk Live. For the love of the holidays, surprise your favorite ham this season with the gift that's on their hot list. The holidays are just around the corner and ICOM has plenty of cheer for everyone. The IC7610, the SDR every ham wants, and just in time for the holidays. This high-performance SDR has the ability to pick out the faintest of signals, even in the presence of stronger adjacent ones. The ICOM IC7610 is a direct sampling software defined radio that will change the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. It has RF direct sampling, 110 dB RMDR, and dual digicel. The IC7300 is changing the way entry-level HF is designed. This high-performance innovative HF transceiver with a compact design will far exceed your expectations. It includes RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, a large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum Spectrum Scope, and SD memory card slot. The ICR30 is raising the bar on DC to daylight receivers. Powerful yet easy to use, the ICR30 is packed full of features you have come to expect from ICOM. The perfect stocking stuffer, the ID51A Plus 2, provides new modes for extended D-Star coverage. Enjoy integrated GPS, independent AM-FM receiver, and free Android apps. For all of these products and more ICOM radios, visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information. It's not the amount of power, it's the size of our tower. Ham Talk Live. Thanks again to ICOM America for sponsoring the show tonight. I'll bring you Ham Talk Live each and every week. Check them out at icomamerica.com slash amateur. And our guests tonight are Steve Narducci, W9SN, an active contester participating mostly in CW and Ready contests. He's helped and installed three contest stations with Antenna Station Design, Engineering, and Software Modeling. He's a former CEO of a small wireless company prior to its acquisition and now focuses on contest station building and design. Um, in 30 years, he reached the top of the honor roll at 349 for DXCC. He owns and operates a winning contest station on a high hilltop in northeast Tennessee, holding two U.S. records. Uh, many top three finishes and continues to push the limits with his four-tower installation and many antennas. 
And Fred Denon, WW4LL, is an active contester, primarily operating multi-op in all modes. And he's the former president of the Muncie Amateur Radio Club in Muncie, Indiana, and the former president of the Porter County Amateur Radio Club in Valparaiso, Indiana, the two-time president of the Georgia Contest Group, and was just elected to serve as a third term of as the president. Um, he's a former member of the Society of Midwest Contesters and now operates his single tower station just south of Atlanta, Georgia. He's a, a retired administrator from the Federal Railroad Administration, and for the last uh, 10 years, he's worked as an expert witness, railroad consultant, and owner of a railroad construction business. So, Steve and Fred, welcome to Ham Talk Live, and we've got an all-Hoosier uh, cast tonight. Yeah, thanks uh, Thanks for having us here, Neil. Yeah, we've got, we've got all three of us from Indiana originally, so I don't know what that means, but we'll find <laughs> out, I guess. Well, you guys have been setting up a, a top-class uh, contest station in Maine, and uh, was able to hear a little bit about it down at um, down at Huntsville this year. Uh, so walk us through the process of, of building this station in Maine when you guys aren't in Maine. Well, it's uh, it's been a challenge um, to get everything going. And uh, we had to make a lot of decisions on this project. Uh, Fred and I come together and decided that, uh, you know, we're both contesters. Uh, we're about five hours apart. And uh, so we wanted to we wanted to build something very unique, something that we liked. We both are remoting into each other station um, as needed. So it made sense for us to to build a, uh, uh, a nice remote station for both of us to use. And uh, with all the decisions, uh, you know, first was finding the the land and uh, that that became a challenge. And uh, so we uh, had one failure on on a land purchase up there. It, turned out to be some paperwork issues but we we've boiled it down to 25 different properties around the state of maine and uh all of these properties had to meet multiple criteria including you know they had to have a good internet connection um the land had to be accessible uh had to be on grid close to power um we wanted a rural location also that you know so we didn't have a lot of noise and it also had to meet our software criteria. We, we run software modeling on all the properties that, uh, you know, we looked at. So we wanted to make sure that, you know, what we were going to do was going to be successful. So um, we gathered the list and, and actually we, we went and visited all these properties up there. So it took some time and uh, we listened to the, the noise floor while we were there. We actually uh, used some AM radio and some different things that we had that, you know, where we could listen to the noise floor there. And uh, we've, we eventually found what we believe was the perfect site. Uh, it was a six-month process, um, and it turned out to be the closest ham radio station in the United States to Europe as you can get. We're all the way in the very northeast corner of the state. In fact, it's so far northeast, it's it's actually closer to London, England from this location than it is to Los Angeles. So <laughs> Europe's a, a local call up there. Oh, so, wow. And, this, and I'm uh, guessing homeowners associations probably fi- figured into that too. You didn't. You didn't well, need those. we're rural. 
this was rural enough that we didn't have to worry about that too much, but we went ahead and did all our legwork and we contacted the county and made sure we told them everything we were doing. And they made us fill out some paperwork and some diagrams of what we're going to do. And they, uh, they actually approved everything and signed off on it. So uh, we did this in confidence knowing that, you know, nobody was going to say anything to us later. And it's, uh, it's far enough removed from town that uh, the local town it's up there. So it's, um, it was fine. But uh, this property here met all the basic requirements that we wanted. The software modeling turned out to be the best of all 25 that we did. The, uh, the takeoff angle there was incredible. Um, in fact, we shared some of this information with uh, our antenna manufacturer, uh, Ken Gard of W3JK of, of JK Antennas. And I sent him some of the modeling over, and he was uh, pretty impressed. He said he's rarely ever seen um, property like this before. So we, we were quite excited about it. So once we got all the paperwork done and, you know, the purchasing of the property, um, it, it basically got done in under four months. And uh, um, <laughs> it, uh, it it was a fairly fast project for us, but we, we kind of gathered everything and got it all together. Uh, the first thing we had to do was clear the land. We had to cut the driveway in. It took a couple culvert pipes out there. There's a little bit of water that had run through, so we wanted to get that squared away. We had to put buildings in, had to get utilities out there. So there was a, you know, it was a time frame that that all had to come together. Um, after that was completed, uh, we went back and, and we, and during that time, we actually uh, uh, dug all the holes for the towers and the uh, concrete anchors and, and got that. So that way um, it could be curing uh, before I made the next trip back. So, you know, a lot of plane time and uh, travel time, but uh, we hauled tower up there. And, uh, it wasn't just little tower. It was really big tower. So, um, the next part was basically just erecting the towers and putting them together. So we, uh, uh, we selected JK antennas. Uh, we did real severe modeling of, of, of everything that we did. So we used software on everything and we worked real close with Ken guard, uh, W3 JK and really glad that we did. So he, he actually beefed up our antennas a little bit more so than what, uh, a normal buyer would probably get just because of the icing and the wind load conditions that we're going to have up there. And the, it's, it's a pretty sh- extreme environment up there. So um, after, you know, months and, and, and a lot of hours of this, uh, we made our choice on what we wanted to do. We wanted uh, really large stacks on the higher bands and uh, we wanted some high gain antennas on the lower bands too. So uh, we didn't really want to cut any corners. We wanted to have something that we could all be proud of and, and use and be successful with. And uh, we also wanted to do some things on non-contest bands. We wanted to, you know, like to play around on six meters and the work bands. And uh, with those, we wanted, you know, lots of elements, uh, high elevation and, and some high gain. Uh, so at this point, it became a race of time because in Maine, you don't have a whole lot of uh, warm weather. <laughs> it gets cold pretty quick, and they have a lot much longer winter than that than than we do. So uh, we, we really had to to get it in gear if we were going to get it up because we wanted to be ready for this contest season. So we hired a crane that was tall enough to reach our top antenna, which is over 150 feet. So it had to be a really tall crane uh, on on the tallest tower that we put up. And uh, in short order, the crane actually got the towers put up pretty quick. And uh, got all the top antennas. We got mass pipes on both of those. We used the largest uh, three-inch chromoly mass we could get, multiple thrust bearings on them, and really big rotors up there. So uh, um, it's been it's been great so far. So we've been real happy with it. And uh, they got all those all those up for us. 
and the towers were extremely heavy. These are uh, Roan 65 and they're solid leg. So um, I think they're around 5,000 pounds a piece. And uh, so they, you know, took them up. We wanted all filistrand guy wires on them because we didn't want any steel to interfere with our stacks and our, our antennas because we uh, put antennas down the tower too. Then the next thing we had to do is get buildings out there. So we uh, uh, had local contractors that had framed up the inside of our buildings and uh, insulate them really well. We don't have to worry about uh, air conditioning up there. It's it's the heat because it gets extremely cold up there. So we installed uh, security cameras, lights, heating. Uh, we put racks in there because all of our radios and amplifiers all sit in a full rack. Uh, we use flex radios. Uh, we got bandpass filters that we mount on the wall and a lot of small items, but we can all rack mount most of this stuff. So it, uh, it worked out real well for us. And uh, the results was, well, it was nothing short of spectacular. We were really happy with the results. Uh, all this time and work and things that we had invested in this thing uh, um, and the modeling and everything, it turned out really good. We were we were quite pleased with it. Um the things that we can hear up there are just, it's incredible. We can actually hear Europe coming in, <clears throat> um, you know, n- at noon, 12.30, 1 o'clock, they're, they're rolling in. Some days a little better than others. So, uh, sometimes at 1.30, we're hearing Europe at 10 and 15 over, which is, you know, something you just can't get from anywhere else I've heard in the United States. So um, it, it was really cool, um, you know, but we're not done. We actually ran out of time because uh, Mother Nature uh, dictated that. So we're planning on going back up in the spring and installing um, some big stuff on 160. We're going to do a full-size four-square. We're also going to do another one on 80 meters. And uh, we got an antenna up now for 80 meters. Uh, it's it's just a single antenna, but boy, it's a monster. We've got it way up high in the air, and it's, it's a lot of gain on it, and it's switchable in direction, so we're, we're quite happy with it. But uh, Now, when you set this up obviously you're you're looking at operating it remotely most of the time did you go ahead and set up a little bit of a shack to where you know if you decided hey let's uh you know let's let's go up to maine for this contest and and we'll just run the contest from there well uh at Absolutely not. Because <laughs> contest season typically starts in the colder months and, you know, come warm months, there's not much contesting. In the warm months up there, it's nice. It's, uh, you know, 80, 85 degrees, uh, but there's not much contesting going on through the warm summer months. So uh, it's it's pretty treacherous. We got cameras that I can actually log into and look at it. In fact, right now there's over two foot of snow on the ground right now. The locals tell me that the uh, the windshield will drop down sometimes, uh, you know, below 50, 50 below zero up there, uh, and that's not too uncommon. So it's a it's a pretty brutal environment, and I doubt I'm going to be able to drag anybody fifteen hundred miles up there into that to uh, to win a contest. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we've we've got a few uh, questions coming in. Um, and we'll want to save those for the uh, question and answer segment. But uh, one person uh, here did mention, and this is uh, Dick Bean, said uh, that's in a rare grid as well. It is. FN67. Uh, we made uh, friends okay. with uh, we made friends with the uh, a couple of hams up there. One was a Border Patrol agent, 
and one was a local uh, a police uh, policeman there. And um, we're only about uh, 1.2 miles from the Canadian border, and we we share the same grid with them, FN67. And so, um, you know, they tell us that uh, they get besieged with uh, email requests uh, to make SCADs uh, so people can work that grid. Yeah, so that just adds that much more uh, to the station, so... That's uh, that's pretty cool. Well, th- we kind of got on the the idea of doing the show from a comment from Dr. Scott Wright, K0MD, that um, kind of talked about you guys had noticed some differences in a build between a DXer and a contester. So let's talk about those differences a little bit and, and how how does that affect these builds? Yeah, he's right about that. Um, if we wanted to build this station as a DXer, we would have done things differently and, and, and actually a much more simplistic way. Um, but being contesters and we want to contest, that, that you know increase the cost, the time, and the complexity of the station. So the way we typically contest, uh, Fred and I, we, we always – uh, we like to run in multi. Now we also do some single ops, but uh, we like to run together as a team. And we've got a core group of guys that likes the contest with us. So um, this this you know required a second tower and uh, and more antennas, and we want to be able to do um, guys on another band or even on the same band. So we had to separate our towers for interference. We had to put uh, um, you know bandpass filters in so we basically asked ourselves what would be the perfect setup for multi-contest teams so this second tower was designed to have antennas fixed in prime directions um and assisted with the top antenna that would rotate and pair up with them for a stack so we can actually with uh uh just flipping a, a switch on our computer screens at, in our house wherever we are at uh, we can flip a stack in in this direction, this direction, or you know whichever one we want. We got four directions we can flip it into, which makes it kind of nice. And uh, so we've got a ten, fifteen, and twenty on that tower that we can rotate around and, and flip into a stack. We also have a four element forty up there, so um, that can assist in picking up malts and, and more contacts. Um, and, and that's that's a big help on our main tower that we have up there. It's our tall. It's a little bit taller tower. Uh, 40 meters is our workhorse on that band. So we installed a four over four Yagi stack at 140 and 70 feet. And to where, you know, we've got the, uh, the second tower has a 40 meter Yagi and it's up at about 120 feet. Uh, and it can rotate this way. Our run station on the main tower can be focused on running. Um, he's got a lot of fixed antennas on Europe cause that's where most of the points come from where the other tower can rotate and he's got f- uh, stacks fixed in other directions just by flipping a switch and he can pick up those malts um, as he needs so if we were just going to dx uh we would not have put the big bandpass filter stacks in um you know multiple radios and and we've got a lot of tower separation between them so that would have you know that, that would have made a big difference on the installation um you know, right now we've got actually a full set of stacks on both towers for 10, 15, and 20. So they both can run and they both have high gain at the same time. And we can actually have up to three operators operating simultaneously 
Um, so, you know, obviously it drove the cost up and design up and a little complexity, but we're kind of proud of it and, and it, it works really well. We, we've been kind of doing some burn in tests on it and it's, um, it, it works well. So the way it's set up, if we want a DX, it's great. If we want a contest, it's great. So it appeals to either way we want to do it. And there's times I just want to get on just to call CQ and, and, uh, uh, work into Europe and it's incredible. Um, we, we have a lot of fun with it. All right. And one, one more thing here before we, uh, take a break cause we are uh, due for a break here, but, um, obviously remote operation is, is the main focus here. Um, so how do you do that and who can access the station and is it available for, you know, obviously you two can, uh, but is it available for others? Well, I, I've been playing with remote operation for about 10 years, but not seriously. When Flex Radio came out with their 6000 series, um, that, that kind of changed the game. It made remote operation more mainstream. So, uh, and honestly, I don't even want to buy a product today unless we can remote it. I mean, a switch or, or any, a road or anything. We want everything we have to be remote. So, um, and we also hate Windows servers. <laughs> At least I do. <laughs> I, I want everything all IP based. So, um, more and more hardware is starting to surface. And, and, and recently, we've been experimenting with some things with IP switching and things like this. So, uh, you know, this has made it much more easy to to remote. And, you know, in, 10 years ago, things were much differently than what we have today. And now we don't even have to rely on a Windows server or anything. We can just log in and go. We don't have the issues. that There's no latency. We put in height. Uh, high-end routers up there so there's you know they're they're rated 15 million packets per second so they're they're industrial um each station has its own uh internet uh we have two stations up there basically that we got a tower one what we call station one and a station two we have there have their own electrical service they have their own internet service and their own routers and everything so they're separate but we can join them together um, so everything is remoted from the amplifiers to the rigs to the antenna switching to the stacks um, so rotors, all that had to come into the, the design and, um, uh, we didn't want to skimp on that. So, you know, Maine's a long way away. So we wanted to make sure that we put in stuff that, that we knew was going to work. And, uh, my previous uh, career with, uh, with my internet that I had, um, with the company, uh, we had different hardware platforms and the decision became easy. Uh, we install rack-mounted cloud routers on each tower. Um, they, these things are incredible. We, we've done burn-in tests, and we just can't believe after four days, they're just sitting there cranking away just like, you know, you, you, they, just like a radio in your house. So uh, without having servers up there, um, it, it makes life a little easier. Right now, we're just enjoying it. We, uh, we call CQ, and we create pileups in seconds. Um, on any band that's open right now it doesn't matter if it's 40 meters or, or 10 meters if it if it actually becomes open it's uh, we're just one of the uh you know we've been told we're one of the loudest stations that they can hear uh getting on 40 meters at, at noon in the day and working into europe and breaking pileups actually i worked the echo papa six uh, in iran broke over a european pileup at 12 30 in the afternoon and i couldn't believe it so it's a uh, just using it made a makes makes a believer of you, but the uh, the propagation from there is very different from what it is from here. So that's one of the big things that we've got from the station up there. And 
right now, as far as being able to to use it, we actually have a core group of guys that uh, that contest with us, and uh, so we we actually have it, and, and we've discussed um, you know rental and and other guys being able to use it. We've got a few guys that that uh, that want to use it that we've leave left on the station. So you know, basically, we're going to have some updates on our website. Uh, if they want to go to beloud.us, we'll have some updates on there. Um, and we've we've discussed uh, the rental of, of this. So it's uh, it's something new. And we're still working through the, you know, the logistics of this. But um, it's everybody that we put on the station from friends to to strangers. We put a couple of friends of ours that, that you know, uh, they just couldn't hardly believe how how uh, how easy it was. The software works really well. The, uh, the hardware is working well, and it's all very fast, so there's hardly any latency with it. And that's that was important to us. All right. Sounds like a, a great plan, and you guys uh, will be able to finish that up. Of course, I, I suspect, like most projects, it won't ever truly be finished, but <laughs> it'll be closer. <laughs> it'll be closer. So, all right. Well, we're going to take a break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to open up the phone lines and take some of these uh, questions from Twitter and take uh, some calls live. So, uh, again, the phone number, 812-638-4261. So uh, we'll take a break. We'll come back, and then we'll open up the phone lines and take calls with Steve and Fred right after this word from Tower Electronics right here on Ham Talk Live. I'm sorry to bother you, but I'm having an antenna party and I ran out of PL259s. Oh, come in. Thank you. Would silver-plated PL259s from Tower Electronics be too good for your guests? Those will be fine. Thank you. You saved my life the other night. Oh, the PL259s from Tower Electronics? Yes, they were very successful at the antenna party. My antenna works like a charm. Then how can you ever thank me? I'll try to think of something. Don't be caught without PL259s. Visit Tower Electronics at a ham fest near you. Or visit them online anytime at pl-259.com. Or call 920-435-2973. They have adapters, cables, antennas, soldering supplies, and meters, too. Join the conversation. Give us a call at 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. Now, here's more Ham Talk Live. Oh, yeah. You're talking ham radio, baby. You're listening to Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. All right, we're back here at Ham Talk Live, and thanks to Tower Electronics for... um, helping out with the show tonight they're going to be taking some time off uh they'll be at waukesha wisconsin on january 5th and then uh fort myers florida st charles illinois collinsville illinois and arcadia california in january um so you can give them a call or visit them online at pl-259.com until they're back out on the Hamfest rounds and uh, 
Ham Talk Live is on the air every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time right here at HamTalkLive.com. And be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So, now is the time. So, it's time for your calls. If you have a question for Steve and Fred, we're opening the phone lines up right now at 812-NET-HAM-1. It's 812-638-4261. Or you can uh, tweet Ham Talk Live. And also tonight, you can win a limited edition Ham Talk Live Grid Square shirt just by calling in. And in the spirit of Christmas camaraderie between podcasts, ICQ Podcast is happy to sponsor one Ham Talk Live t-shirt for tonight's first audio caller to Ham Talk Live and wish all the Ham Talk Live listeners a peaceful and calm Christmas holiday season. And also Tanner Jones, W9TWJ, donated a shirt to give away tonight along with the ICQ crew. So uh, two lucky callers tonight will win one and the phones are going nuts here. So we'll uh, we'll get some uh, <coughs> questions in here and I believe... We have a call on the line right now, or, okay, there we go. Maybe we didn't get added. Okay, now now we have a call on the line. Good evening. Good evening to you. Yeah, who do we have here? Yes, you have Denny, WB9MSM in Watertown, Wisconsin, a true badger. All right, very good. Well, we, we went a little north of Indiana tonight. So uh, what's your question here for Steve and Fred? Yeah, I actually have a couple of them there. And my one question that I have, and I, I'm actually very interested to know, uh, has this ever been done before to the extent that uh, they have done this? I've been listening, and I'm just in awe of all that they've been doing. And it's, it seems like such a complex project that, I'm just amazed at, at, at the complexity of it. And I'm just wondering if it's been done before to this extent, you know, that they've uh, accomplished this. Well, um, Danny, good evening. <clears throat> um, we know of at least one other uh, uh, individual or group of individuals that has done this successfully. And, uh, you know, when we uh, first envisioned building this station in Maine, uh, we had no pre-design on renting it out. Uh, it was simply going to be our DX and contest station. You know, however, we had several people that contacted us about renting the station on a daily basis or even for contests. So, <coughs> excuse me. So, uh, you know, we're, we have the ability to get people on the air now, but, uh, you know, we've hired a software engineer to further enhance that process and, you know, anyone interested in renting it out should go to our beloud.us website and give either one of us a call, and uh, we'll be happy to talk to them. But, yes, to answer your question, there is uh, one other successful uh, company doing this already. Very, very interesting. Hey, another question real quick. Uh, how What is the propagation like to the west? I know to the east. Uh, you're just spectacular, but I'm just kind of curious. Do you get into the Pacific pretty well, too? Actually, I've been on uh, a couple of times into the Pacific, and it's it's really quite good. Um, it's it's actually I've got a uh, this is Steve W9SN. I've got a uh, uh, a contest station in Tennessee on a on a pretty good hilltop and uh, good elevation. Um, but 
even towards the Pacific, the uh, the main station we got will beat it. Um, when Japan opens up, it's it's a nice opening. We can run Japan up there very very loud. Um, those signals up there from there will be you know fifteen twenty over nine when the band is open. It doesn't happen too often lately, but uh, we've we've caught it a couple times. And uh, some of the DX pileups out in the in the Pacific, the uh, there was an Alpha thirty five recently, um, and there was a couple others. I can't remember the calls, but uh, uh, we were able to break them on the first and second call. Um, it was it was fairly easy. Last but not least, uh, there guys. Uh, I'm just kind of curious, will we be seeing anything in the QST, or you, will you be doing a YouTube at all that uh, shows what, what the antenna structures look like and the area there? I'm just kind of curious. Do uh, you think that's in the, the plans? We uh, we fully plan to do that, Denny. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have a coming out party, if you will, uh, when we roll it out in its entirety. Uh, right now, uh, uh, until uh, we get the uh, total software package done. We're kind of doing this in two steps. So we'll have an uh, abbreviated software package uh, where we could get people on. We can get them on now, but it'll smooth the process out uh, here in the short term. And then, uh, you know, we have the uh, development of the web client uh, taking place, and uh, it'll make life much easier uh, for everyone to uh, to log in. At that point in time, yeah, we'll be doing full page spreads and uh, uh, QSD and. Oh, I just want to compliment you guys on this. It sounds so exciting. I, I just, I like I said, I'm in awe. <laughs> so I, I thank you very much for taking my call and uh, and taking my questions. I appreciate that, and I look forward to maybe sometime talking to you guys on it. <laughs> very, yeah. very good. Yeah, well, thank you very so much for you. calling in, Denny. Yeah, 73, and again, good luck with this project. It sounds really, really exciting. Thank you, 73. All right, and Denny, we'll send you that uh, Ham Talk Live t-shirt from uh, the ICQ crew, so congratulations on that, and thanks for calling in. Yeah, do you know what size? Yeah, I'll, I'll get with you on email afterwards, and we'll, we'll, uh, oh, we'll drop super. you an email. All right? Sure, thanks a million. Okay. Yeah, take care, Neil. All yeah, right, you too. look forward to your next program, too. All right. Thank you. 812-638-4261 is the phone number, and the phones are really lighting up. We've got another call from a little ways up north. So good evening, Paul. Well, good evening, Neil. How are you? I'm good. And good evening to you as well, Steve. I'm in Valparaiso, Indiana. Yeah, hello. And I understand that you, being the former president of the Porter County Amateur Radio Club, I am the current president of the Porter County Amateur Radio Club. Hey, Paul, this is Fred, WW4LL. That was me that uh, that used to live in oh, Balbo. Oh, it was you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so when, when were you president of the club? Well, I was up there from uh, 83 to 95, and... Um, I had various uh, uh, seats uh, uh, with the club there over the years, and I can't tell you exactly which year it is, but I can tell you we were still in the old uh, tech building. I don't know if you all are still meeting there or not. Oh, well, um, depending on which old tech building, most of them are gone now. Um, but uh, now I've, I've only been president this year, but I, I saw that, uh, and I thought that was, that was cool. Um, this is, uh, this station you're putting together is, fa- all of these 
big contest stations are amazing. And, uh, you know, just to see the, the technology and what it takes to put all of those radios and all of those antennas in one space and make them work is always fascinating to hear. So uh, this is a, a cool story to be following. Well, you know, we uh, uh, we were, were always getting beat by the guys on the East Coast, and, uh, and they were good operators to boot. But, um, you know, uh, having been down to the Caribbean a number of times uh, to operate, um, uh, the pileups were amazing down there, and some of the <laughs> rates were extremely high. And then, uh, you know, we didn't experience that so much from the southeast here in the Midwest, there in the black hole. But uh, uh, when we went out to Maine, uh, it was a new experience for us. It was uh, much like uh, being in the Caribbean. So uh, it's uh, it's just a different world up there. Very good. Well, good luck with all this, and uh, I hope everything goes according to plan, and uh, be very interested in uh, working it. Well, thank you very much, Paul, for calling in, and uh, say hello to the boys in Valpo for me. Will do. Absolutely. We have uh, we have a meeting coming up uh, in a couple of weeks. So, Paul very Brown, WD9GCO, one of the voices you hear on Amateur Radio Newsline. Thanks for calling, Paul. You're welcome, Neil. Have a good evening. All right, you too. And uh, the phones are still lighting up like crazy. And, and we've got Mark Brown, N4BCD, on the line. So good evening, Mark. Uh, good evening, Neil, N4BCD. Uh, great program tonight. Uh, I tuned in a little bit late. Uh, good evening, Steve and Fred. Uh, just a couple of questions. Uh, you may have covered these, but uh, I'm guessing the, from the description of your towers and, uh, and radios, I'm guessing you're going to be multi-two or, or unlimited. Well, we have our choice. Um, we can run multi-single, multi-two. Multi-multi would be a little difficult for us right now, but uh, we're, we're looking at the possibility of being able to do that. But, you know, that takes a, more operators, and it's a little out of our uh, comfort zone from what we've been doing, obviously. Uh, but we're real comfortable with multi-two and multi-single. Wow, that's great. And I, I'm sure you guys will work out the latency on the uh, the Internet there. But uh, I, I tuned in, like I said, a little bit late, but I can relate uh, you know, to you guys uh, uh, working Europeans at midday on 40 meters. Uh, I operated a couple of years ago from K3LR, and uh, it's just a real treat. For, uh, it, it's really incredible, the propagation difference uh, you see up there in the northeast compared to my home, QTH, in, uh, in Fayetteville, Tennessee, and Fred's over in Georgia. Probably a similar uh, propagation there. But uh, are you guys planning? I heard the uh, another caller ask if you were planning to do a YouTube or anything. My question is: uh, Are you planning to uh, unveil this uh, with further detail at uh, at Xenia, either in a forum or at Contest U? We uh, <coughs> excuse me. We've not spoken to uh, to Tim Duffy uh, about doing anything at Contest U. Uh, however. Um, we uh, we have been asked to speak in a couple of different podcasts like this, and uh, we uh, uh, we want to get the uh, the uh, all the components uh, smoothly operating, you know, before we do a, a total total rollout. But uh, yeah, there there will be an unveiling of sorts when we're um, you know up to speed with everything, uh, Mark. Excellent, excellent. Um, has uh, have you guys consulted with uh, Craig K9CT? I know he's running uh, flexes in a contest environment. Uh, 
Uh, have you uh, have you learned from him on this uh, on this project? We have talked to uh, Craig a number of times over uh, several months, and Craig's a good friend, and we uh, we email periodically. Um, but uh, you know, we've uh, talked to Flex uh, Radio directly, and we've talked to uh, to Craig uh, about some of his experiences as well. And and he's a great guy, and he's very willing to uh, to share. So we appreciate that very much. Excellent, excellent. Well, you guys, uh, I'm I'm drooling over the description of your two towers, and uh, I just can't wait to to hear uh, what uh, what more this thing uh, this this station can do in a, in a contest. You guys uh, have really put together something special here. Have fun with it, and good evening. Uh, I'll I'll turn it back to Neil and for BCD. Good evening. Okay, Mark. Thanks for calling in again tonight, and congratulations. We'll we'll, we'll send you a T-shirt too here. So. Uh, congratulations on that. And thanks for giving us a call again. Okay. We've got a, we've got another call on the line and I know we've got a couple more, uh, trying to get through. So let's see who we have next. Hello. Hello? This is Mike W9RNY. Hello. Um, good evening, Mike. What's your question for uh, the guys here? Well, I just thought I'd give a testimonial. I've, I've done, uh, a lot of multi-op with Steve for over 13 years and also with Fred. And, uh, I've ran that, uh, actual main station from a hotel room in Carbondale, Illinois. I live in Jacksonville, Illinois, but I ran that about uh, a week ago on D on just run DX from 0400 to about, or from 0100 Zulu to 0400 Zulu. Uh, I made over 50 contacts into Europe on 40 meters when the band was not open. Great. And two into Israel. So it's, I, and I've ran to also the uh, contest uh, a couple times with them, so it's it's uh, an awesome station. Very good. Yeah, hello. Uh, yeah. Hey, Mike. Hey, Fred. All yeah, right. I, well, I, thanks for calling in about that. And oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I said, Fred. I didn't tell you. I put Mike on there the other night. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's one way to find out, right? <laughs> yeah. Good yeah, deal. That's good right. Deal. Glad you enjoyed yeah, it. Oh, uh, yeah, it was fun. And look forward to uh, to much more. But I just wanted to give a testimony. It's a, it's a fantastic station. These guys are awesome, and they work tire- tirelessly to get, uh, to get everything going. It just works great. And uh, I'll just leave with one comment, and that's, uh, you want some candy? You want right, some I'm candy, out of here. Mike? <laughs> I do want some candy. All right, I'll, I'll get out and, and talk to you guys later. Thanks a lot for letting me in. See you, buddy. All right. All right. Yep, thanks for calling. All right. We've got another call in line. It's Carl, KD9HQT. Good evening, Carl. Hey, Neil and Air One. Um, I just have a question slash, slash um, comment. But um, hopefully you can hear me because I'm actually driving on I-69. So I'm actually in Norfolk, Washington, driving home from Evansville. Um, about the contest station, okay, about that. Um, when my dad moved to to the house where, where my parents lived in 1985, my dad's um, ham shack, or where, where it is located now, was once a garage. And... Um, when they got rid of the garage door and my father converted the garage into a, into a workshop, he also converted the um, um, portion of the garage into a ham shack. So basically, he, uh, I, think, I 
sometime in the 90s, he um, um, put some installations around the um, around the around the ham shack so so it, so it, so it can get kept warm inside the shack. And before he actually moved in, moved into the house after he got married, my mother. And, it's, and if you guys want to know, my father's call is WB9EWF, that is Whiskey Bravo 9, that's Whiskey Foxtrot. Um, my father used to live in Blocksmore, Illinois, which is where my uh, my grandmother's house is. And, um, uh, and my dad has a 70-foot tower and... Um, and currently, right now, he has um, three VHF and uh, he has one. Um, he has three antenna. He has a two-meter single-size band antenna, a centimeter single-size band antenna, and this is a rare type of antenna that most um, amateur operators don't operate on. He also has a um, um, a. Pin, um, a, a 23 centimeter antenna. So the that's my like my comment. But the question is is um, if you want to operate on um, VHF or UHF contesting and the antennas were like made in the 70s and the tower itself was made in the 70s and um, would you and would you um, consider to consider um, consider a station that has like five or six transceivers compared to one compared to my station, which is only like two? How would you compare? How would you define a contest station if, it, if it's if it's like five transceivers and one big tower? compared to a station that has like two transceivers and just a simple dipole. Well, so, I, I think so that, that may be getting about, into a little bit of what we were going to talk about with Fred with maybe a more modest uh, setup. Maybe that that's okay. kind of ties into that, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so if you're asking uh, about, uh, um, you know, what what do we suggest for someone trying to build a more modest contest station and looking at uh, some of the important pieces to include in the station? You know, I would say that you focus on your selection of the antennas for the type of contest that you want to compete in. Uh, and I think, personally, I think it's the single most important consideration. For example, if you can't install a tower and you can only put up wire antennas, for example... Uh, then optimize those for the mode that you prefer. You know, the contest that you think you can effectively compete in and you orient those antennas to, you know, maximize your coverage performance. Uh, if you can only install a short tower, like under 100 feet, then you may want to use multi-band antennas. Uh, you may, if you want to run multi-op with those multi-band antennas, then you know, you're going to need to consider buying a triplexer. Um, you may also want to just specialize in contesting on one band and put up a huge rotating 40-meter beam, for example, if you think that 
that that's the area that uh, you can uh, uh, be most uh, competitive. Um, the rig and the antennas are personal preferences of the station owner. Um, but for us, you know, we, we chose and we like flex radio and we like JK antennas. Uh, those work quite well for us, but to each their own. Uh, you know, knowing the capabilities and the functionality of your rig may be the second most important uh, piece to this. You know, there's a lot of people out there that own radios that are capable of diverse functionality. Uh, however, some of the owners uh, simply don't fully familiarize themselves with the full breadth of what the radio will do, what, you know, what capabilities the radio has right in front of them. So those are some of the considerations. Yeah, um, one time my uh, right, and especially the antennas that my dad showed, was uh, because the antennas were, were horizontal and not vertical because of polarization on VHF and UHF. There was one time my father contacted a, um, and this was extremely, extremely rare, and this will probably only happen once in a lifetime. My father actually contacted a station in Mexico on two meters, but there was a huge tropo van opening. And um, after he contacted that Mexico station, a bunch load of U.S. stations contacted my father, and um, he only got one state, and there was like a pileup that he was receiving because of how strong his um, signal was, because his uh, his antennas were up like 70 feet in the air, and and there was a pileup, so he only so during the pileup he actually picked up a Florida station, and he said to me that this was the the, the, the longest DX on two meters sideband. Oh, awesome. Good for him. Um, you know, that, uh, I don't know what else to say about that. Well, Carl, thanks for calling yeah. in tonight. And, uh, we're going to try to get a couple more in here. We're already over time. So we're going to, we're going to move along. All right, Neil. 73. All right. 73. Thanks for calling Carl. Appreciate it. Okay, we've got a couple of tweets here to address, and I think there was one more person trying to call in. Uh, Tucker W4FS wants to know how um, Be Loud is able to compete with uh, RemoteHamRadio.com for contests, uh, considering their own uh, main station is uh, well closer, uh, 100 miles closer to Europe and the coast. So, uh, have you compared to any other? Uh, stations <laughs> we might get into some rivalry here i don't know don't uh, <laughs> no uh i mean i haven't met ray personally steve has uh met him and had dinner with him and you know they've uh they've got it going on you know so uh uh we uh we we like i said we started this out uh for our personal use in the beginning and it's morphed into uh, uh to renting it out but uh you know, Ray does quite well from uh, uh, Lubeck up there, um, you know, uh, and so uh, we uh, we don't do it. We haven't done uh, side-by-side comparisons. Um, from that from that neck of the woods, he's, he does really well, and we're going to do really well. And so 
Beyond that, you know, when it comes contest time, like any other competition, it's going to depend on, uh, you know, keeping your butt in the chair and uh, uh, an operator uh, skills, things of that nature. And so, uh, you know, we wish them well and uh, hopefully uh, uh, they feel the same way about us. All right. We are going to take one last call here. We're, we're running way over time here, but, uh, had another one that was trying to call quite a bit. So let's, uh, let's see who we have on the line here. Hello. Yes. Hello. Hi, how are you this evening? Good. Who, who do we have here? Uh, Neil, this is Kilo one Lima Kilo Papa. It's Carmen. Uh, Carmen. Oh, it's good to hear from you, Carmen. <laughs> oh, Neil, I just want to say to Fred and to Steve, congratulations on their endeavor, and God bless them, and keep safe on those towers, and I want to wish everybody a merry, merry Christmas. Steve, Fred, congratulations. Hey, thanks, Carmen, and uh, I haven't worked you on 40 here in the last uh, few weeks, but uh uh, I always, I always enjoy working you. You're, you're a great CW out, my friend. Okay. Well, thank you very much. And, and, and Neil, those yes. two fellas are two, those two fellas are two top notch CW rascals. That's for sure. God bless to all. And thank you. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Carmen. Appreciate your kind words. Take care. Bye now. now. All right. Well, we're going to, we're going to finish things up here. And, and there's one other tweet I want to mention here before we go, because Bryant Rascal's mother, Lauren, just posted a picture of, um, Bryant on be loud.us. Um, and so, uh, I know he had a chance to, uh, to do some operating and, and saw that picture. Uh, in fact, uh, I think it was a week or two ago. I saw that. Um, so, so talk a little bit about, about our friend Bryant here. Bryant is a, uh, is a bright young man, uh, who is being raised by a, uh, uh, a family that I adore. Uh, they, uh, are really good people and they're doing everything right in raising young Bryant, who is a fine, upstanding young man. He's, he's a, he's a great contester. He will be a better contester one day. Um, he, um, he sets down, uh, he sat down at my station a number of times and, He'll sit down and he'll run 40 words a minute on CW and won't even flinch. So uh, uh, they're good people. And uh, Merry Christmas uh, uh, to the Rascal family. And, uh, Bryant, we look forward to uh, having you seated with us in many more contests to come. 73. All right. Very good. Yeah, he is a, he is a good one. So uh, as we finish up here, we, we had some other things kind of planned and, and fortunately we had calls, so we didn't get to all those, but, uh, quickly, I know you guys want to mention that, that this isn't the only build you're working on. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're working on some other, uh, stations and, and reviving a station. So, uh, let's just take a, a minute or two here to talk about some of the other projects going on. We're, uh, we're currently down in uh, Lafayette, Louisiana at, uh, Dr. Pat Saunier, uh, who's a con, uh, silent key, W5WMU. Uh, anybody in contesting knows that call. Uh, we're, re, uh, rebuilding that station, uh, right now. Steve's there 
uh, currently, and I'll be uh, leaving tomorrow morning and headed down there. And so uh, uh, we're going to put that back on as a memorial station to our friend Pat. Um, you know, we've got uh, five other stations, uh, uh, one of which is Pat's, that, uh, you know, uh, we're going to put back on the air remotely. Um, you know, Steve's station is going to be remoted, mine here in Georgia, Pat's, uh, PJ4 Golf that are in uh, on the island of Bonaire has agreed to come on board with us, as has uh, Hotel Charlie 5 DX, and then, uh, of course, our, our new main station. And then we've got a couple other stations in Maine that's going to come on board with us here after the first of the year. So we hope to have two to three main stations kicking here in 2019. Uh, once those are all completed, we've got two more stations going on the air remotely um, uh, from Maine, as I mentioned, and then we've got one in Kentucky and another one in Arizona. So uh, we're not uh, we're not letting any dust settle here. We're we're moving out. Sounds like an ambitious plan, uh, and uh, look forward to uh, hearing how all of that goes. So uh, I think we've caught up with all the questions here tonight, so I'm going to let you guys uh, get out of here. We're, we're, like I said, a little uh, little long tonight, but it's been uh, great to have all the calls. Appreciate all the calls coming in and all the questions and some uh, really good discussion from you guys tonight and some good ideas. and. And maybe we can uh, do another one on uh, on maybe the more modest uh, setups for the rest of us <laughs> that can't join in on the on the big guns. Uh, we can we can get the uh, the more modest uh, ones uh, going and, and talk a little bit about those. So thanks for coming on, Fred and Steve, and appreciate it. And uh, seven threes to you. Thank you very much, Neil. Seven three, we appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, thanks in seven threes, Neil, and uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. All right, and a Merry Christmas uh, to you both and everybody out there that's listening tonight. That is a wrap for this week's edition of Ham Talk Live. Thanks to Steve Narducci, W9SN, and Fred Denon, WW4LL, and everyone out there in cyberspace for listening and calling in. And we invite you back next Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time when Josh Ward, W3ARD, will be here to talk about high-altitude ballooning. And for a list of all of our upcoming guests, be sure to visit hamtalklive.com. Dot com And congratulations to our t-shirt winners. We'll be in touch by email and uh, get those out to you. And thanks to Tanner, W9TWJ, and the ICQ podcast group for donating those to us tonight. And, and uh, appreciate the opportunity to uh, give those away. So uh, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 7375. And may the good DX be yours.